Let's take our Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts where Freddie read. Acts chapter 2. Here in the book of Acts, we really begin to read about the beginning of the church. And I'm so thankful for our church. I want to share with some things with you this morning that God has blessed us with and some things that we can be very thankful for as part of a church. But I hope also this message is a challenge to us this morning because a church is really only as good as what it's going to do the next day or what it's doing today, right? A, a church, if it begins to just sit back and talk about all the good things they used to do, they can very quickly cease to become a good church. I think it's very interesting here at the beginning of the church as Peter stands on this day of Pentecost and he preaches and thousands of people trust Christ. And that's a wonderful thing. But that's not where the church stopped. And sometimes as a church we, can, we get excited about big days and exciting times and we should, right? But as a church we are a living organism, right? We are part of the body of Christ. And a living organism can't just exist on what they used to do or how things felt a long time ago. It's about what I'm eating today and what I'm doing today and the exercise that I'm doing today and how I'm moving forward in my life. And as a church, we need to be constantly looking forward as well. Not that we can't remember the things in the past. I think Paul even talked about that, how we can remember those things that have happened, be thankful for them, and then that ought to motivate us, look back on past faithfulness of God and past provision, to then step forward by faith, continuing to trust God to do wonderful things. I think we see that. Let's look at this passage again in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. Then they that gladly received His word were baptized. I'm so thankful we're going to get to do that today at the end of the service. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Notice the first phrase of verse 42. This is very important. This is where we get this idea of what I was just introducing, that we've got to continue to press forward for the Lord. It says in verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Did you notice that? They continued steadfastly. Now, the idea of continuing forward is not the idea of sitting down. It's not the idea of going backwards, right? It's the idea of continuing to move forward in the direction that God would have us to move. It says they continued steadfastly. We'll come back to that in a minute. Let's keep reading. What did they continue steadfastly in? Well, the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread, in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Verse 44, And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily, there's that idea of continuing again, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness 
and singleness of heart. We see emphasized in this verse, as they continued forward, they continued forward together. You see the unity being spoken of in that verse? As they were with one accord there, it says. And it says they did eat their meat with gladness and, here it is, singleness of heart. It's not talking about people that are looking for a spouse, right? That's not the singleness of heart. This is talking about people who are unified. They're together. And then he says in verse 47, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And then notice the result. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. It's very important when we think about a church and what God has for us in a church that we realize our place in the church that God has put us. You see, God has not put me as the head of the church or you as the head of the church. He has put Jesus Christ as the head of the church. The Bible is very clear about that, that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And we also must understand when it comes to our responsibility as a church and fulfilling the great commission that God has given us, right? To go out and preach the gospel to every creature, to baptize, to teach, and to help, and to lead people along in their spiritual walk. That while it is our responsibility to teach and to train and to preach the gospel and to evangelize, it's not our responsibility to save people. We can't save anybody. Only God can. Now, we can preach the truth, can't we? And we ought to preach the truth. We ought to tell it like it is and say what God has said. Right? God has called us to do that. Not just preachers, but all of us have that responsibility. But at the end of the day, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. It is Jesus Christ that saves people from their sin because of His blood that was shed on the cross in their place. But that doesn't mean that He hasn't left us with some responsibility. It's easy as a church, isn't it, to sit back and say, well... You know, God just must not be blessing like He used to bless. Or, I just don't see God's provision in my life like I used to see. No, God is very clear about what His role is and what His responsibility is. But He's also very clear about what our responsibilities are in a church. And I believe that we know from God's Word that God is faithful to do what He says He's going to do. We don't have to worry about that. God always keeps His promises. God never says something and then changes and does something other than what He said. He always does exactly what He says. The problem lies within us. Of whether or not we are going to be faithful to do what God has called us to do. And I believe if we're faithful to do our part, we know God's going to do His part. And what a wonderful thing the church can be. And I'm so thankful for our church and what God is doing here. Notice some things about this church. And I've got kind of seven different points here of things that we can see in this church. And I hope that we can see in our church. And I believe we do, but we want to see these things continue. The first thing we see here in this church, verse 41, it says, And they that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. We see in this church... A church where people are being regularly saved and baptized. I love my church because we get to see people regularly saved and baptized here at Arise Baptist Church. What a blessing that is. 
And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you may not understand why that's such a blessing. Let me take just a moment to explain to you why that's such a blessing. The Bible is very clear when it says this, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means God is absolutely perfect and we're not. Some of us may say, well, I'm a little more perfect than that person over there. Or, you know, I mean, really, pastor, you know I'm a good person, right? But if we're honest, we are all sinners. The best person in here, the person that's cleaned up the nicest, the person that seems to have it all going together, they're a sinner. And so am I. So are you. We're all sinners. And the Bible says because of our sin, the wages or the payment for that sin is death. In other words, because you're a sinner, because I'm a sinner, because we've all done wrong, because we've all fallen short of God's glory, we all deserve to die. But see, death, as God is speaking of it in that verse, is not just the death where you die and you get put in a box or cremated or whatever and get buried in the ground. God is speaking of a different kind of death. Yes, it begins with a physical death, but it is ultimately a spiritual death, which means a separation from God for eternity. You say, why would that matter? Why would it matter if I'm separated from God for eternity? Well, when God created man, remember clear back in the Garden of Eden, He created Adam and Eve. And what did God do with Adam and Eve every day? The Bible says that He fellowshiped with them. It means He spent time with them. He talked with them. God created you and He created me. He created all people to have fellowship or communion or a personal relationship with Him. But something happened back in the Garden of Eden. You know what it was, I'm guessing. Eve sinned, Adam sinned, and that sin brought a separation between Adam and Eve and God. You say, why was God so mean? All they did was eat a, a piece of fruit. Why was that such a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because God is absolutely holy. It means He's perfect. And for us, honestly, I don't even think I can fully wrap my mind around what that means. We understand it. We understand that God is perfect. We understand that there is no sin. And if any sin were to come in contact with God, He would not be holy in that same sense, would He? And so, God, there is a separation between mankind and God, and that separation is sin. But... The thing I'm very thankful for is God didn't leave it that way. We looked at that a little bit last Sunday. As God told Adam and Eve, as He was punishing them for their sin, He said, I'm going to make a way. He said, there will be the seed of the woman who will bruise the head of the serpent. He was referring to Jesus Christ who would come, who would die on the cross. God, in human flesh, would take all of our sin upon Him and He would die. You say, why did God have to die? He died so you wouldn't have to die spiritually. He took your sin upon Himself so that you and I could be forgiven. Why? Because ultimately God wants to have a personal relationship with you. Isn't that amazing to think about? That God, the Almighty God who made everything, heaven and earth and the universe, everything that we see down to the tiniest atom, God created it all. 
And that God wants to have a personal relationship with you and me. He wants to hear when you pray. He wants to meet your needs. He has a plan for your life. There's not a day that goes by, there's not a step that you take, there's not a breath that you inhale that God did not plan out. Isn't that amazing? And God wants to have that relationship with you. And so in order to do that, He sent Jesus Christ, His Son. Jesus, who was perfect, who had no sin, He came and bore our sin in our place. The only reason Jesus could die in your place was because He was perfect. If Jesus had had any sin of His own, He would have had to die for Himself. But He didn't have to die for Himself because He had no sin. The Bible says He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. In other words, Jesus faced the same kind of temptation that you face. He had the same opportunity to sin that you've had to sin. But instead of like us, where we fell and we sin and we do wrong, Jesus didn't. He was perfect. He's God. And so when Jesus died on the cross in our place, He took our sin. And all it requires that we put our trust in Him. Not trust in our own way and say, well, I can do it. I'm good enough. I'll try my best. I'll come to church. I'll give in the offering. It's not good enough. Because there's no righteousness that we can do that can wash away our sin. The Bible says it this way. All your righteousness is as filthy rags. We were doing some cleaning yesterday as we were doing the construction part in the front part of the building. And there's a window in there that we're reusing. We've been able to reuse a lot of stuff so we don't have to buy it all new, which is a blessing. This window had something stuck on it for a long time, and this window has quite the uh, hazy appearance right now. So we got that goo-gone or goof-off stuff, and we're, we're scrubbing on that thing, and we finally just gave up and said, you know what, we'll come back to this tomorrow. It was getting late, and we were tired, and uh, Tom and I were scrubbing on that thing last night. But you know what we had after scrubbing on that window for a while? We had some filthy rags. We had some dirty rags. So what do we do with those? We threw them away. Right? We got rid of them. That's what you do with those things. The Bible says your righteousness, the very best that you can do compared to God's holiness, is worthless. It's just a filthy rag. In fact, that word for filthy rag that the Bible uses was the bandages that they would use to wrap themselves when they had sicknesses like leprosy and things like that. You talk about awful things. Things that people say, that's repulsive, that's gross. You say, I'm not gross. I've done a lot of good things. Folks, our very best is still not good enough. That's why Jesus Christ came to make a way so that we could have eternal life. And we see in this early church... People regularly trusting in the good news of Jesus Christ, coming to Christ, asking for their forgiveness of sin so that they could be saved. It's interesting because these people that Peter was preaching to, these were Jewish people that had gathered from all around the world and come to Jerusalem for a very special time. They were there for the Feast of Passover, and then they stayed on through to the Feast of Pentecost. And so he's preaching to religious people. 
He's preaching to people who think they're very good people. I mean, these were people that had traveled by foot or on a donkey for 10, sometimes 100 miles, maybe further, just to come for this special religious event. I mean, these are serious people. I don't think any of us traveled 100 miles to get here this morning. And if you traveled a long ways this morning, I am sure it wasn't on the back of a donkey, okay? You didn't do it on your feet. I mean, yes, I realized we had to get up out of bed. Some of the guys were talking about how sore they were from yesterday, so I know it was a challenge. But it was nothing like the challenge these people had to get where they were. These were very religious people. But as Peter preached to them that day, he spoke of their sin. And they understood their need of a Savior. And many of them trusted in Christ. And as they were saved, they then were baptized. You say, why were they baptized? Why do we baptize? Well, because Jesus was baptized. And Jesus did that as an example for us, as a picture of His death, His burial, and His resurrection, as a picture of our sin as it's been washed away and we come up clean and new. I'm so thankful for a church where people are regularly saved and baptized. But he talks about there, then in verse 42, he says, They continued steadfastly. I was doing some research on the, that little, those two words, continued steadfastly. That word continued has the idea of, of existing, of, of where we sit, of where we stand, that I am doing something, right? So they are continuing or something is moving forward, but it's who they are. So these things that we see here, the breaking of bread and continuing in the Word and fellowship and all these things that we'll get to are things that really became part of who they were. You see, for some people, church is just something that they sort of add into an otherwise pretty busy schedule, right? I have my life and my family and all the things I do, and then we'll add in a little church for good measure, that maybe helped me fix some of the other problems. But what we see of these people in this early church is, they said, no, this is who we are. This is where our identity is found. It is found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And we're going to have fellowship and communion and relationships with other believers together. So it was like all of their life was sort of flipped upside down. And now instead of, well, I do all my family stuff or now I... Work is really important to me. Now serving God became the very most important thing in their life and everything else flowed out from that. Kind of sounds like what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You see, the world lives a very particular way, right? We, we strive for finances or, or fame or, or just having a big family and everybody together. And God says, no, put me first. And I'll help you take care of all that other stuff. And so that's why I realize following after God is hard for some. Because it means taking your life and in a sense, allowing God to turn it upside down. And take something that maybe was kind of to the side. I mean, you come to church sometimes or you know about God or He's part of your life. 
and saying, no, he's going to be the very most important thing in my life and I'm going to let God take care of all that other stuff. Doesn't mean that other stuff is not important. Please don't misunderstand me. Your family is so important. I'm so thankful for my family. And family is a wonderful thing, but serving God is the most important thing. I should want to please God more than I want to even please my family. Because someday I have to give an account to God for how I live my life, not to my family. Your family's a precious thing, and they'll encourage you. They'll help you. I'm not encouraging you to leave your family or do any of those things, but love God first. Love God first. And I promise you, God will help you to take care of those family relationships. Many times people feel, and I know some of you have been through this and maybe are going through this, you feel like you have to make a choice. Either God or my family. Either God or my spouse. Either God or my children. Either God or my parents. And the devil loves for people to struggle with those kind of choices. Because it puts us in a situation where we feel like I have two things and and they both seem good and I'm not sure which one I should pick. God is your creator. He sent Jesus Christ to be your savior. He's your sustainer. And he's the one that wants to have relationship with you for the rest of your life. Seek him first. And I promise you, he'll help you to deal with some of those other family situations. Other people feel like, well, the choice is either serve God, but I, I really need to focus on my work. And if I serve God, I won't be able to do both. Seek God first. And I promise you, he'll help you deal with the finances and take care of things. Listen, folks, we serve the God who the Bible says owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And guess what? He owns the hills and the gold in the hills too, right? What are we worried about? We just sang, I shall never have a fear when my Lord is ever near. But do we really believe that? I'm so thankful for this church. But it says they continued steadfastly. Who are we? What's important? What's our priority? Is it putting God first? That's the idea of continuing. And then it says they continued steadfastly. This is being devoted to something. This is saying, this is what I'm pouring my mind and my energy and my emotion into. I am devoted. I am steadfast. Nothing's going to pull me away. Nothing's going to distract me. I am focused on God and Him alone and putting Him first. That's what happened in this church. You see, when you read through the book of Acts, and we're not going to read through it all this morning, but when you read through it, you read stories of the gospel going forth and literally turning the entire world upside down. Pagans, people that worshipped idols, people that had no clue who God was, turning to God and following Him and obeying Him, they continued steadfastly. Remember, I'm not the head of the church. You're not the head of the church. That's Jesus. I don't save people. You don't save people. Jesus does that. But we've been given some responsibility. And let's see what some of those things were. What did they continue in? It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I love our church. Because people love the Word of God. Folks, it is so important that we love the Word of God. Because this Word is how God reveals Himself to us. The Bible is clear that there are other ways God can reveal Himself to us as well. For example, creation. The Bible says in Psalm 19, The heavens 
Declare the glory of God. Can you look at the sky and the stars? Maybe you can't see very many here in Houston, but you get out in the country where there's not so many lights, not so much uh, pollution in the air, you can see the stars, right? It's beautiful. And they speak of God's glory. We say, wow, God's big. God's amazing. God made all of that. How wonderful. We can get a microscope out and look at really tiny things. Pull a drop of the water out from the city of Houston and see what's swimming in it. I don't know, but uh, God has made all kinds of things. And it's amazing. But those things, while they speak to who God is, don't give us the detailed explanations that we need to understand to be able to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. While creation is a wonderful thing to think about and we ought to enjoy it and look at it and go out and, and, and just revel in God's goodness and His splendor, it's in His Word that He's revealed most clearly to us. He reveals Himself to us through the Word of God. And here it says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Doctrine is teaching. What were the apostles teaching? They were teaching the Word of God. I would challenge you this morning, if you examine your life, how would you say that you are doing in continuing steadfastly or finding your existence, your identity, who you are in the Word of God? For many of us, it's a book that maybe we only pull out on Sundays. Someone once said, dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. Dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives lives, but broken Bibles or Bibles that are used and, and worn out a bit often mean holy lives, clean lives, lives that are pleasing to God. How are you doing in your relationship with the Word of God? I believe if we're going to be a church that pleases God, a church that continues to grow, a church that people are thankful to be a part of, it ought to be a church that is based in the Word of God. That as people look at that church, they say, those are people that love the Bible. I'm thankful for some conversations I've had with people in our church, even in the last week or so. People have asked questions about things. Well, but pastor, what about this or what about that? And I've been able to take my Bible and open it up and say, well, let me show you what the Bible says. And we've read through passages of Scripture together, and here's been their response. Oh, that's great. I didn't know the Bible said that. But because that's what the Bible says, that's what I'm going to do. What a wonderful attitude. May that be our attitude. Too many times that we leave God's Word to the side, we don't want to see it because it reminds us of who we are. But no, I'm thankful for a church where there are people who say, all right, pastor, the Bible says it. That's the Word of God. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to obey it. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, but it also says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. I love our church because people love to fellowship Together, fellowship together. Now, when I was a boy growing up in church, I just thought fellowship meant everybody brought a crock pot or a big covered dish, and we just had a lot of food together. And we all love that kind of fellowship, right? And in fact, next Sunday, after the morning service, we're going to have some of that kind of fellowship. 
as we celebrate the week of Thanksgiving. So I encourage you to bring something. I think there's a sign-up sheet in the back for that. And we're going to provide the meat and you bring the sides and desserts. And after the morning service, we'll go and have a wonderful dinner together for lunch. And then the plan is we'll just stay in there and have a time of praising the Lord together and thanksgiving to the Lord. What a wonderful time it'll be next Sunday. But you know, that's not just the idea of fellowship, that we all sit together and we eat food, even though that's part of it. And in fact, we'll see that in just a minute because he talks about breaking of bread and being house to house and all of that. But the idea of fellowship is an active participation in association. In other words, that true fellowship doesn't mean just that you show up. True fellowship is that you are participating. You're taking part in what the Lord is doing. You're taking part in what is happening at the church. Hey, I want to tell you, we had some good fellowship yesterday. We didn't eat very much, but we had good fellowship. You know why? Because there was 10 or 12 men over here swinging hammers and getting blisters and, and working hard together. Now, the work is not professional. It's not. We admit that. If you go up there, you may find a, a, a few issues here or there. I'll, I'll take my work's not professional. Some of the other guys look at me like, well, speak for yourself. I'm no professional. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, men. But we had good fellowship. We had a good time talking together and encouraging one another. We had fun just building relationships and, and bonding together, working together, active participation. The fellowship that was happening here yesterday was happening because people were participating together and working together. That's one way you can have fellowship. I had some fellowship on Monday this week. Ruth and Linda and I, we went down and, and we were helping some of the homeless folks downtown. And, and they've been doing that for a long time. I just rode along. I was just there to see that and I got to pray and be with them a little bit. But we had a great fellowship. Maybe they, we had too much fellowship. I don't know. When we got back, we just visited and talked and we were talking about the goodness of the Lord and about what God has done in our church and we just sat in the parking lot for 30 minutes or so after we got back just talking about the goodness of the Lord. That's good fellowship. Fellowship was happening in, in Ruth's car. Active participation together. Fellowship happened when folks go and work together and serve together. Fellowship happened when some 40 to 50 adults in our church came together and helped to put on a vacation Bible school this summer for some 50 or 60, 70 boys and girls that came. And I think we had 10 that trusted Christ that week. That was good fellowship happening. Fellowship happens on Sunday mornings when folks are just visiting, encouraging one another. Fellowship happens when you go to the hospital and pray with somebody. Brother Joe and I had some good fellowship on Wednesday morning. Fellowship, participation. I want to encourage you. If you're not experiencing the fellowship like you want to, realize fellowship requires participation on your part too. We want to love everybody, encourage everybody, and help them. And if you don't feel like you know a lot of people, I understand it takes time to get to know somebody. But I want to encourage you. It's there if you'll just take it. If you'll step in and get involved and become active in those things, you'll begin to experience a greater level of fellowship 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 is one of the ways that the body is built why because the body is built with relationships as people are drawn closer to each other and then closer to the lord because they continued in the apostles doctrine and in fellowship 
And here it is. We'll go ahead and say it. It says, and in breaking of bread. I'm thankful for a church that loves to eat together. We have a good time. Lisa said to me yesterday, she said, Pastor, it seems like everything we do includes food. <laughs> it's biblical, okay? We're doing the right stuff here. In breaking of bread. And you know what? It doesn't just happen in that room. It happened this week for me out and about with people. Um, had, had some breaking of, of Big Macs together this week. And we had some breaking of chicken wings together this week. And sometimes I'll have some breaking of tacos together with people. I mean, it's good stuff, right? Spaghetti. We keep going, make us all hungry because it's almost lunchtime, right? It's a wonderful thing to share a meal together. And in fact, if you keep reading in the next few verses, it talks about they did this in their houses together. You want to see the church grow strong together? Get together with people outside of church. Have somebody over to your house. Say, we can't have anybody over to our house. Have somebody over to the McDonald's. Buy your house. Do what you have to do, right? But spend time together with people. Fellowship. Eating together. Notice, though, it says, end of verse 42, they continued steadfastly in doctrine, fellowship, breaking bread, and in prayers. I'm thankful for a church that loves to pray together. If you've never been, I would encourage you to come and be a part of our Wednesday night prayer meeting in here. It's a blessing. As, people, as we study God's Word together, and then we break up and we pray, and, and we pray. And sometimes we pray and we pray. Why? We need that. You say, well, I can't get there on Wednesday night. Well, get somebody together and, and you can pray Sunday night. You could pray Sunday morning together. You could pray at a different time. We live too much by, well, the church had it at that time and I couldn't make it, so now I'm not going to do it. No, we should all be getting together and praying, shouldn't we? It's a blessing. Here's a way you can do it. There's sometimes, I think usually we have some extra ones of these laying around. These little... Arise prayer guides. We hand these out on Wednesday nights. You can take this and you can pray for somebody else. You know, one of the most encouraging men that I was ever around, this, this was a man that helped to train me in the ministry. He would come to me every few months and he would hand me a little note card. And on that note card was a series of dates. And he would say, I just wanted you to have this. You've been in my prayer list. He carried, his prayer list was note cards. And, and so each time he would pray for somebody, he'd write down the date that he prayed for him. And he, every once in a while, he'd hand me that note card and he said, I just wanted you to know, I prayed for you on these dates. Talk about special. Special. Some of you probably would love to have somebody pray for you like that. I know I do. I'm so thankful for those of you who come and tell me, Pastor, I'm praying for you. I talked to somebody the other day. He said, I pray for you every day. I got a text last night from a man saying, I pray for you every day. That's a blessing. But you know what? I'm not the only one in this room that needs prayer, am I? We all need it. We've all got burdens, don't we? And what a blessing. Yes, we can take our burdens to the Lord and God wants to hear from us, but what a blessing it is to have some other member of your church come alongside you and pray with you. Sometimes you're not even in the same room together. Isn't it wonderful? Two people can pray together and in a sense they don't have to be in the same room because you're both praying to the same God. But just sharing that together. They continued in prayer. Let's not get so full of ourselves that we forget to pray.
Let's not get so confident in what we're doing or our ability or how good things have been that we forget to continue steadfastly in prayer. Because when we forget to pray, we forget that it is God that does the work. When we forget to pray, we, we forget that we have no ability of ourselves to change somebody's heart. When we forget to pray, we forget that it is God who heals sick people. And sometimes He uses medicine and doctors and other things, but God is the one that does the work. Let's not forget to pray. They continued in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And as this happened, the Bible says in verse 43 that fear came upon every soul. This is a healthy kind of fear. This is a holy reverence. This is people that looked around and said, these people are serious about their relationship with God and relationship with each other. Because it's who they were. They continued. Their existence became, their identity became found in these things, in God's Word. And in fellowship with one another. Folks, I look forward to coming together to church on Sunday. Not so much that I get to just get up and preach, even though I love doing that, but because I just love being with you. You encourage me. You help me. Just your presence is a blessing. You say, there's somebody else that thinks a little bit like I think or cares about some of the same things that I th care about. It's a big world out there, isn't it? We're running around back and forth and up and down and we probably pass each other multiple times a week and don't even know it on 34th or 43rd or Shepherd out here 610 and we're just all running around doing our thing. But church is a place where you can come together and be with one another. Are we serious about it? Is it something that matters? Is it who our do we find our identity in, in God and what He has done? Or we find it in something else? It says, And fear came upon every soul. And it talks about even these miracles that the apostles did. I don't need to do miracles today. God has already given us the completed Word of God. But I'm so thankful for what God was doing in that church. It says here, And all that believed were together and had all things common. Verse 45, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. I love my church because people love to help each other. It's a blessing to help one another, isn't it? How many of you have a need? I do. Anybody else have any needs? We all have needs, don't we? A church is a place where those needs can be met one with another. You know, you may have a need this morning that needs fixing, and there might not be anybody in this room that can fix it, but we can all together go to the one who can. God can fix it. Or you might have a need here this morning that there is somebody else in the room that can fix it, or someone who knows someone in the room that can fix it. And as a church, it's a blessing. I'll tell you just another little story. I had a couple people this morning come up and say, we need somebody to help us check out our heaters on our house well i know a guy right that's the way a need can be met you say well that's not a big deal open the phone book no what a blessing it is to be part of a church where we can help each other out that way 
Because you know what? You just might encourage somebody else by giving them some work that they needed. You just might help somebody else out by meeting a need for them as they meet a need for you. Isn't that wonderful? But this was a church it talks about here in Acts. It says they had all things common. In other words, they, they met each other's needs. They, they shared things around. They tried to help. He's not talking about communism here. He's just talking about people helping one another out. If you had a need if I, and I had some extra stuff and I could meet that need, I would do what I could to take care of that need. I'm thankful for a church that does that. I'm thankful for some men that earlier this year said, hey, there's a family in our church that has a need. They, they need some floors in their house. And so some men went and helped put some new floors in the house and helped paint the walls and helped fix some things over there that needed taken care of. I'm thankful when people have doorknobs that need to be fixed. Somebody can come along and meet that need. I'm thankful for people that can go and someone has a need, they're in the hospital and somebody can come and pray with them. I'm thankful for even when I have a need and I'm out or I have something going on, there's other people that I can call and can meet my needs too. A church is not about just super pastor that meets everybody's needs. That's not what we're talking about. It's about all of us together meeting each other's needs. What a blessing it is to be part of a church that tries to do that. To be part of a church that tries to meet other people's needs. And God met our needs some this week too. You know, the guys finished fixing our roof this week. All the rain we had this week, we didn't have any leaks in here. That's a first. That's a blessing. And I got a text from another guy and he said, well, we're going to have to get on it now. We've got to get back over there and finish replacing all your ceilings in the auditorium. What a blessing. People meet our needs. That's the way the body of Christ ought to work, shouldn't it? And let me encourage you, if you're not really a part, and you're struggling with a lot of unmet needs, and you've got things that are going on in your life, you're like, I just wish somebody, I want to encourage you to just come on in and be a part of our church family because we'd love to share in your needs and have you share in ours. We'd love to be together and work together. We'd love to help you because we know that you can help us. You say, how do you know that I can help you? Because God only brings body parts together that ought to be part of that body. And if you're supposed to be part of this church and God has brought you to be here, then get in, get attached. And let's start helping each other. And I realize some people, they, there's a tendency, and I'm the same way, right? We, we're, we're, we want to be careful. We want to be thoughtful. And I encourage you, if you're thinking and praying about what God would have you to do as far as really getting connected in our church, keep praying, keep thinking about it. But I want to encourage you, trust in the Lord and do what He wants you to do. Don't spend the rest of your life not getting connected to a church because of something bad that happened in another place or some other person that treated you wrong. At the end of the day, folks, we're, we ought to exist to please God more than anything else. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I know a lot of bad things have been done in the name of God. But just because that's happened in the past doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way it has to always be. God is still good and He'll help us. And you know what? People make mistakes too. I may do something really foolish. I hope I don't. But if I do, I hope you'll forgive me and I hope I'll have the grace to forgive you if you ever mess up too. Because that's what a family does or should do. These people, they helped each other. They shared in one another's needs. They even 
to the point of having to sell something so that they could meet a need that someone else had. And then it says again that idea of continuing, verse 46, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. If you've been keeping track, we've had about seven different points here. Here's the last one. I love my church because people love to praise God together. Isn't it a blessing seeing the boys and girls sing and praise God? Isn't it a blessing like a couple weeks ago when we were having our revival meetings and they sang, Jesus loves me, this I know. What a blessing that was. It's a, it's a blessing to have people calling me and saying, Pastor, God did this. People saying, Pastor, God helped me with this thing. God provided this need. People coming and singing praises together, even like we sang this morning. I'm on the winning side. Jesus paid it all. What a blessing. Why do you think we have something to praise God about? Well, it's because God has done something in our hearts. He's done something in our lives. He's forgiven me of my sin. That's something to praise God about. And you know what else is something to praise God about? As people are working together and helping one another and needs are being met, that's pretty exciting. As God is taking care of things around here, even in our building like a roof, that's exciting. So where does all this money come from? From God. From God. You say, I, I want to experience that. I need my paycheck. That's not how it works. You be faithful. God meets needs. He doesn't always meet all of your wants. He'll take care of what you need. And I know how we all are. I'm the same way. We look at things, well, I could really, well, I really need that new car. I really need a bigger house. I really need, I understand, but folks, we are blessed. I read an article this week. If you are worth $4,350, I think it is, that's a lot of money, right? $4,350. Did you know you're in the top 50% in the world? You're wealthier than 50% of the people in the world. I realize some of us may not even be there, but probably most of you are. I know I'm worth more than $43.50. I mean, how much are each of the kids worth? That, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Did you know if you're worth more than $98,000 or eighty nine? it was 89000 and change, that you're in the wealthiest 10% in the whole world? Some of you have paid off your house. You're in the top 10%. They're going to be rallying against you and marching in front of your house. You're too rich. Give us some of your money. And you say, I don't feel rich. But we are. We're blessed. And I know some of you are struggling. I know some of you it's hard day to day. But you're blessed. You're blessed. We're sitting in a room on soft padded chairs. We have lights turned on and we have heat going. We're blessed. Most of us are probably going to get to eat at least once today or twice or three or four or five times. You know, we're blessed. God's so good to us. We have so much to praise Him for. But we get our eyes on all the things we want sometimes. Boy, if I just had this, then I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. Because things don't make you happy. 
Well, if this problem was solved, then I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't, because there's always going to be another problem. Well, if this person was just not in my life, then I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't, because people are not the source of happiness. The source of joy in our lives can only come from God. It can only come from a right relationship with Him. And if you're not content with right where you are right now, even if it's a mess, be content in your mess and trust God to put you where He wants you to be. He'll get you out of your mess when He's ready. In His time, He might be teaching you something in your mess. Or he might be teaching somebody else something in your mess. Allow God to use you as the teacher sometimes. Say, I'm done learning this. Yeah, but maybe somebody else isn't. Be faithful. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Folks, I, I, I hope, I mean, our church is 18, 19 months old right now. I hope we can look back someday, a year from now, two years, five, 10, 15 hope the Lord comes back pretty soon, but hope we can look back though and say, we continued steadfastly. Because it's easy. We can all get to those points as a church, as individuals in our lives and say, well, I've got it. We're good. Well, that happened to some of these churches as they went forward. Do you know the nation of Turkey today is considered to be the most un- Christian nation in the world? Did you know back in, when the New Testament was being written, several of the epistles were written to churches in Turkey, modern-day Turkey. So how did that happen? Time. People took their eyes off the Lord. Other things crept in. Bad things happened. Sorry, don't worry about the mountains behind me. He's trying to get it fixed back there. But folks, God's done so much for us. God's blessed in our church. God's taking care of people. He's met needs. We're going to baptize in just a minute. That's a blessing. And we actually even have warm water to baptize. I mean, come on. You're like, well, I don't care. We want to see you freeze up there. No, but God's good. We have a lot to praise Him for. But let's not get our eyes on all the things. Let's not get distracted by our sin or the struggle around us. Let's keep our eyes on Christ. Because when we're faithful to do what God has called us to do, I believe He'll be faithful to do what He says He will do. And did you notice the last verse in the chapter? What's the very last verse of chapter 2 say? At the very last phrase of it, And the Lord added to the church, Daily, such as should be saved. See, I believe a healthy church will be a growing church. It'll be a church where people are being saved and baptized and then discipled, being taught in their faith to grow, to be able to then reproduce themselves and share the gospel with somebody else and teach that person and help them grow. I would challenge you, can you look around and point to somebody else or think of somebody else in your mind and say, that's somebody that I led to Christ. That's somebody that I've brought along to the same place where I'm at spiritually. Or that's somebody I'm in the process of doing that with. Folks, don't get discouraged if you can't point to that person. If you can't, 
That's all in the past. Ask God to help you going forward. God, today's a new day. Today's a new week. God, give me somebody this week maybe that I could share the gospel with. Somebody that I could tell about the love of Jesus Christ. Somebody that through understanding the Word of God and the truth of what Jesus Christ has done for them and the working of the Holy Spirit in their heart that they might trust Christ. And then I could see them get baptized and see them begin to grow and see God work in their life. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Over the past year, we've seen some God, God do some wonderful things that way of a couple who started coming to our church and then after some number of months here, another lady taking the wife and begin to study God's Word with her and after a few weeks of that, she trusts Christ. And then a few months after that, she leads her friend to the Lord. Now she's teaching her what she's learning. Just this past Wednesday night, I saw this lady's daughter come in with her own Bible study book under her arm. And I said, what's that for? And she said, my mom's teaching me now. That's a blessing. That's, that's spiritual generations happening in our church. And you don't have to wait years for that to happen. But don't waste today. Don't waste tomorrow. What are you doing to be faithful to what God has called you to do? To continue steadfastly. Are you in the Word? It starts with knowing the truth. You've got to stand on that solid foundation of God's Word. Are you faithful in coming and participating, fellowshipping together? When you miss, you really miss. If you're not participating in it, you're not going to be experiencing God's working in the same way. You're not going to have as much to praise the Lord about because you're not going to know what's going on in everybody else's life. You know, I come in some weeks and I'm like, oh, it's been a rough week. But then I'll hear somebody else tell me, you know, Pastor, God did this in my life this week. And by the time I'm done with church and we go home, I go, hey, God's really good. My week wasn't so bad after all. I can kind of be excited about something. Participating, fellowship, and in prayers. We need to continue steadfastly in our prayers. In breaking bread, eating together, that's a wonderful thing. Come next Sunday, be a part of that. Invite somebody out this week. Go get a donut with somebody. You don't have to just let the church buy your donuts on Sunday morning. You can go do that another day, right? Breaking of Shipley's together. That, I mean, that's a good thing if you like that. Praising God together. We have a lot to praise Him for. Let's be faithful to do that. And I believe God can do some great things. Church continues to grow. We've been running up around or just over 100 people now for the last month or two. That's a blessing. You know, I look back at the numbers. Numbers aren't everything, but numbers at least represent people. But look back at the numbers. In January of this year, we were averaging about 50. Wouldn't it be great if the church could double in size every year? So we'd have all these problems. Let God take care of that. Maybe the church might grow by growing to a point, and then, then a group of people help to start another church. Wouldn't that be a blessing? And another one, another one. It'd be a blessing. There are a lot of people that need to hear the truth. What could God do if we'd be faithful 
to continue steadfastly. I'd ask you this morning to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'd ask you to search in your heart of what area or areas you need to commit to this morning. Maybe one of the things we've talked about, you say, I have not been continuing steadfastly in the Word like I need to. I need to apply myself. I need to get connected with somebody in the church. I need to talk with pastor and, and line up somebody that can help disciple me. Maybe you might say, I need to be more faithful in participating and fellowshipping of what's going on around here because I want to see God bless in this church and in my life. Maybe you need to be faithful to being a part in prayer. You say, you know, I can't always get out on Wednesdays, but boy, I could pray every day for somebody in the church. Maybe there's somebody else's need that needs to be met here this morning. I can help meet that need. What do you need to commit to the Lord this morning? This is between you and God. Don't let me force you to do it. Do what He wants you to do. I, I promise you, though, He'll bless you for it. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this morning. We thank You for this time in Your Word. I pray that You would help us to be faithful, to follow You. Help us to trust in You. Help us to obey You and take You at Your Word. Lord, I understand that many times we look at Your Word, we hear what it says, we acknowledge the truth, and then we go right back to just doing life in our normal way. Lord, I pray that there'd be somebody here this morning that would allow their life to maybe be upended and turned upside down, that they would follow you. Lord, if there's somebody here this morning that's tr never trusted you as their Savior, I pray that as the service finishes or uh, they'd find somebody, come talk to me and I can show them how they could be saved. We love you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.